Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to Saudi Radio's Business Matters with me, Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, my final guest this morning is one of Ireland's best-known and most experienced franchise entrepreneurs. Brody Sweeney of Camille Tai. good morning and welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Carl, and I enjoyed the show when I'm in the area, so delighted to be on it. Thank you. Now, Brody, you are a serial entrepreneur who famously founded the O'Brien Sandwich Chain, but I'd be interested to find out about where your entrepreneurial flair came from. Well, my dad was a, was a lawyer. He was an entrepreneurial guy. So he was always kind of starting things up and uh, he, he had a great interest in, in starting things. I think I started my first business at the age of, a, of 15, cutting down trees during the summer holidays. We, uh, he, we, we lived in a big old house and my father had a chainsaw and I... I, uh, I got a friend to print up some business cards at 15 and we cut we cut trees down with another friend for the summer. And uh, so I, I've, I've been doing something like that really uh, since, the, since that age and I've never been employed by anybody else. Now, take me back to the time when you founded O'Brien's Sandwich Bar. What was your vision for the brand starting out? Well, that started, I think we started O'Brien's around 1988 and some of your older listeners might remember how sandwiches were sold in Ireland at the time. I remember as well. They came in three flavours um, and they were wrapped in cling film. And the, the flavours were you could get a ham sandwich, you could get a, a cheese sandwich, and if you were really racy, you could get the ham and cheese combined. <laughs> and uh, this was at a time when people were, you know, working harder, spending more time out of the home. Um, and, I, and I felt that there was uh, an opportunity to create a brand where we actually did a decent, uh, a decent quality sandwich and do it made to order so people could choose what they wanted in it. And at the time... Uh, when we started that, there was nobody doing that. It was literally ham and cheese sandwiches in cling film. That was the, the kind of market. And so that wasn't, you know, it wasn't rocket science. I think to see if there might be an opportunity for that in the future. And Brody, when you reflect on the success which O'Brien's enjoyed at the time, apart from offering variety and quality, what also do you attribute the success to? Well, I was very lucky to attract great people to work with me. So I, I'd always make that point. It's, you know, building any sort of a business with scale where you have more than one or two employees uh, is is really about the quality of the people you attract around you, either as management or um, as franchisees. And then I think we had a very singular goal. You know, we were we were determined from the off, I suppose, naively to, to build a, a very big business. I knew a little bit about franchising because I'd been involved with it before in a company called Prontoprint. Um, and I really like the business model. And I like the idea that you could build a, a business um, with very little capital where your franchisees invested the capital essentially to build the brand name up. So I'd say really good people, having, having really good people around me and having a very singular vision, being really focused from the off about what it is we were trying to build. Now, in 2008, at the beginning of the last economic crash, O'Brien's entered receivership. But what did you learn from this process and... Did it take its toll on you at the time? Well, what I learned was I didn't really like it. I didn't like anything about it. So uh, O'Brien had been doing really well up until the onset of the recession, of the downturn, which was around 2007. And I had uh, semi-retired from the business. I'd stood for election for Fine Gael in, in, in Dublin. I'd written a couple of books. I'd started a charity. I suppose I took my eye off the ball a bit. And when the downturn hit, I didn't have ready-made solutions I learned what the word despair meant during that, that, that period because I ran out of ideas. I didn't have a compelling future. And that's what despair means. It's an awful place to be. 
uh, luckily for me, it didn't last very long, and I got started again in something else pretty quickly. But it's a dreadful experience, and I, my heart goes out to anybody who's having a tough time at the moment with this uh, pandemic. It's very wearing, it's very stressful. But I, I always say to people as well, you know, it's, it's just a period of time. It's not where you live, and it's not going to last forever. And this time next year, something else will be biting on the bum, and probably you found, have found some classical solution to the difficulties at the moment. So in 2010, you set up Camille Thai Kitchen and has become the fastest growing Thai chain in the UK and Ireland. Talk to us about the business model that underpins it. We actually started as a Chinese business and it didn't work and we, we changed very quickly to a Thai, to a Thai restaurant business. And, um, and we uh, were a bit like with our, in our uh, earlier guys with O'Brien's, we were very ambitious, uh, very ambitious for, for the business. So what we did at the start was we first of all recognized that, that people were spending a lot more time online at home, which meant that they were less inclined to do scratch meal preparations. So we built our business firstly as a home delivery business. Um, and secondly, we embraced technology uh, to support that. So we had, an, we had an app before they were fashionable. Um, and even though our app wasn't great at the, at, at, at the beginning, we learned from feedback from customers how to improve it and make it better. And then we took, uh, as a brand, we looked at the takeaway food sector and we realized that most people had a pretty poor image of takeaway food. So, you know, tacky shop fronts, antisocial behavior, litter on the streets um, and food that was pretty, you know, not great, um, lowest common denominator stuff. And we decided to kind of try and turn that on its head. So we built attractive uh, storefronts. We're, we're, we're lucky with the food that we sell that people don't really eat it on the streets. We shut our restaurants at 11 before the pubs uh, close. Um, and the food quality, we, we made a really big point about making our um, our menu relevant and healthy. So all these things contribute to a point of difference over uh, what our competitors are doing. But it's really saying, look, this is kind of grown up takeaway. This is takeaway for the 21st century. Um, and it's not bad for you. You know, we're, we know you're eating it frequently. So we're going to make every um, effort we can to help you make healthy eating choices. And Brody, in terms of your target market, what particular market segment did you target and how did you go about targeting them? So we, we targeted really from the beginning um, a young female audience. And so our customer base uh, now, it's slightly skewed towards females. So it's probably about 55, 45 in favour of females. That would contrast, say, with Domino's Pizza, which would be the opposite. It would be 55 male and, and 45 uh, female. So having, having, um, having identified who our target market was, I always think the sort of business we're in is, is actually quite easy to market in theory. So, so if you take opening, our first Camille opened in South Circular Road in Dublin, um, in, in Dolphin's Barn back in 2010. And we knew from doing our deliveries that, that we were comfortable delivering kind of two or three miles from the restaurant, but not really more than that. So maybe three miles maximum. So, so we identified, you know, we drew a circle around that area and that's the area we concentrated our marketing in. So we were able to buy Facebook um, ads, for example, in that targeting that geographic area, but targeting young, a young female audience. We were doing the same with, uh, with Google um, we were able to do leaflet drops in that three-mile area. We were able to do balloons at the traffic lights on Saturdays, sampling outside the, the restaurants, getting involved with a local GAA club. So actually to build a brand up in the three-mile radius isn't that challenging. It's very challenging to build a national brand, but we didn't think about that at the beginning. We just thought about, let's try and build a brand up around this restaurant, and then we'll try and build a brand up around this restaurant, and then around this restaurant, 
And eventually they kind of knitted together into a Dublin brand and now they're starting to be knitted into a national brand. But it's, it's taking one small area at a time and that's kind of doable and kind of manageable um, if you know what you're doing. And Brody, prior to COVID, how was 2020 shaping up and what were your growth plans for Camille Thai this year? So the business has been growing really strongly. We we added, um, I think, 13 new restaurants last year into 2019. We expected to open more than 20 uh, this year. Obviously, uh, COVID has put a big kibosh on that. I think if we open eight or nine this year, that would probably be uh, the height of it. And you, a lot of people might say that's not bad during um, the height of a a pandemic and one of the things the pandemic has done is made us reaching some of the types of locations we were going into so for example um we're really not interested in going into city center locations at the moment city centers are are, are in deep trouble and um, with their footfall you know so you take the center of dublin the lack of overseas tourists and the fact that that um, a lot of office workers aren't coming back in makes it very difficult to operate there so some locations like that we would have um, been negotiating on. We dropped out of the negotiation. And then also we're probably going for smaller footprint restaurants than we might have before the pandemic. So um, a smaller space because we don't think there's as much dining business as there would have been, say, in February. And in terms of your geographical reach and growth over the next number of years, have you a particular strategy in place for that? Yeah, well, we're, we're, we think the Irish market will probably be around 50 Camilles over time. I think we're about 27 at the moment, and we we know where a lot of the additional ones are going to go. So we have a good growth trajectory in Ireland. We've got good momentum here. Um, we've also put a footprint down in London where we'll open our sixth uh, restaurant, our sixth Camille, in the next couple of weeks uh, in Canary Wharf in London. Um, is uh, it really the effort now is on London? We've got a good, uh, we've got a good growth profile here, but um, we are, uh, we think the real opportunity is in London, where there's really there's no business like Camille. So it's one of the, it's one of the lovely things when we look at it is that there's no, you know, Asian brand focused on home delivery in in the UK, but neither is the one in the States or Australia or Hong Kong. So we've this world of opportunity in front of us. Uh, and we have a very uh, smart, young management team, very ambitious um, and very keen to grow the business and, and see where we can go with it. And Brody, one of the ways that you adapted Camille Tai's franchise offering during COVID-19 was by the development of a conversion franchise. Talk to us about that concept. Yeah, well, look, we just recognise that if you if you take the South East, there's going to be a lot of publicans, a lot of restaurant owners, um, a lot of hotels who are in trouble um, or have been in trouble because of the restrictions imposed by the lockdown or, or the partial lifting of the lockdown. And we thought, well, you know, if you take a town like Wexford, um, could we could we put a franchise into um, an existing pub or restaurant or hotel in Wexford that may be in trouble uh, and say, look, you, we could get you going with a, a Camille delivery only business um, at a relatively low cost. So if we're not having to invest in the front of house, if we're not having to invest in customer toilets and all that kind of stuff, we could probably convert a kitchen over uh, for maybe 30,000, convert a kitchen over so we could uh, do Camille style of business. We know in Wexford there's a high demand uh, for Camille. Um, and uh, so we could help somebody who's got an existing premises and an existing investment in the kitchen uh, to, to get some new business that maybe they're not getting uh, at the moment. So in fact, Wexford would be one of our uh, with our target towns, but it would work in a, in a in potentially in a Gorey or an Enniscorthy um, uh, or a Carlo um, uh, as well. 
The first one we've done uh, is up in Sligo. Uh, the first conversion we've, one we've opened is in an existing pub. Um, and um, I don't want to disclose the numbers, but it's doing, it's doing huge numbers. We had no, we had no branch in, in the northwest of Ireland at all, um, but there was a lot of goodwill for, the, for Camille, and he's open, I think, about five weeks and going absolutely gangbusters. He can't, he can't and we can't believe the level of uh, business that's been done. Pub owners listening this morning will say that it sounds like a great concept, but I don't have the 30000 to get into it. Is there a flexible way to pay that, Brody? Well, I think, look, what you're looking at is an investment in some new cooking equipment in the kitchen and an investment in an EPOS system, uh, an electronic point of sale system. That's what works with our app and our online ordering system, and that's why you need to do it. Um, Look, honestly, uh, it's probably for a slightly bigger pub or a slightly bigger uh, restaurant or or hotel. Um, We would feel that if somebody couldn't come up with 30,000 is probably not right for them to be truthful. So it's not going to suit everybody. Um, but we're talking about building a business with substantial scale. Um, and um, and so, the, so, so it requires some level of investment. 30,000, by the way, is about 10% of what it costs to open a fully-fledged Camille, which is around about 300,000. Now, I know that through Camille Tai, you have embraced artificial intelligence and the use of robotics. How exactly have you integrated these emerging technologies into the operation? You know, a, a business like Camille is very much a logistics business. So we get a huge number of people ordering, say, on a Friday night at seven o'clock. And how we how we process those orders, how we take those orders in, how we how we assemble them, cook them, pack them, and dispatch them is really a logistics exercise. So we use a lot of technology in house to help us manage the um, to help us manage the order. So. So, for example, when we take an order in, we clock it when it comes in, we clock it going on to the cook line, we clock it off the cook line, we clock it uh, when it's packed, we clock it when it goes out the door, and we clock the driver when it comes back. Uh, and that helps us keep really focused on speed because speed is everything to our, to our guests. Also, in robotics, um, um, you know, restaurant kitchens are one of the last um, areas of high labor usage that haven't had any... Um, robotics applied to them. So we're working with a company at the moment to develop a solution where we can reduce the number of chefs we have and potentially redeploy them into more interesting uh, work. And then also we're we're a a launch partner for a company called MANA. It's an Irish startup doing drones. Um, And we are, uh, drones are a brilliant way of um, delivering our type of food within a two to three mile radius around a restaurant. So a drone um, will be a fair bit cheaper for us than employing a driver. So there's a win for the company. It will be a fair bit quicker for the for the customer because obviously there's no traffic and there's no traffic lights. So it flies straight to the customer at 80 kilometres an hour. So it's quicker for the customer. And then it's environmentally friendly. So instead of sending a three-ton car uh, around uh, town with, with deliveries in it, you're sending a battery uh, operates a drone which is taking all those carbon emissions off the road. So, so, so drones and um, robotics in the kitchen using AI in the kitchen to, to um, manage the orders are just some of the ways we're using technology to operate a business in the 21st century. And not just operate a business, Brody, but certainly future-proof it as well. Now, you are certainly an advocate, a lifelong advocate for franchising, but specifically, what appeals to you about franchising as a business model? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a few different things, but, you know, franchising, if it's done right, is really beneficial to both sides uh, of the relationship. So so a franchisor like us um, uh, would um, get 
entrepreneurial business people involved in our business who take on the operation of a business, say in a Wexford or an Enniscorty or a, a Gorey, in a way we would find very hard to manage ourselves from Dublin. So you have somebody local on the ground living and breeding the brand. That's a huge benefit uh, over a managed uh, business. Secondly, a franchise owner brings... Um, uh, brings capital. So they, they're putting up the money to open their own restaurant in their own area. So that's on our side. For a franchisee, I think the first thing for a potential franchisee is a lot of people are interested in the idea of opening their own business, but they're scared. And I think the first thing a franchise does is it reduces your risk substantially. So if you open Carl's Pie restaurant in, uh, in Wexford um, uh, next week, your chances of success are pretty low, to be truthful, when you look at statistically. But if you open a Camille Thai restaurant, your chances are much higher. And that goes for any good franchise. And finally, Brody, franchising is very much underutilised in Ireland. Why do you think this is the case and what needs to be done to change this mindset? We have a relatively small community of people involved in franchising, but we also have, we have a lot of businesses that people may not know are franchises, you know, uh, Hertz Rent-A-Car, Action Coach Franchising, Your Own, Bricks for Kids, uh, Educational Franchise, pretty much all the food, the big food chains, you know, the pizza ones, the four stars, the Apaches, and um, the people are familiar with. I think we need to get the business organizations like the banks and the Chambers of Commerce more behind it, a lot more education uh, a lot more education for potential business owners of, of the benefits uh, of it because there are undoubted benefits and it's, it's a really good relationship when it's done right. Not all franchises are perfect. Um, not everybody is a brilliant franchisee. But as a generalization, um, it's a great way of doing business both for both parties to the relationship. So I think more education to our banks, to our, our chambers of commerce and, and, and business organizations. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Brody Sweeney from Camille Tai. And I would like to thank Brody for providing us with a flavour of his success. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.